0: Oh no, you can make them. I've never even seen Fireproof. <laughs> I haven't
1: either. I've seen Growing Pains. Oh, Growing Aww. Growing Pains was great. I've seen Avatar. Yeah, Logan was. What's that no got order. to do with Kirk Cameron? Oh, that's James Cameron. You dummy! <laughs> you just dated your. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to start the episode. We're talking about Kirk Cameron movies that we've seen, and and Logan goes, "I've seen Avatar." James and Kurt Cameron have yeah. zero relation <laughs> my boy
0: that's, that's funny <laughs> that's a good one that's funny we should just start with that holy smokes
1: yeah leave that in please <laughs> leave it in editors
0: um okay so glad you guys are here thanks for watching welcome to the 1189 podcast and we're calling it that because there are 1189 <laughs> chapters in the bible and we're going to study all of them god willing and so we decided to start with one of the tougher sections. So we're here in Ezekiel, Chapter 9, with Logan, Carly, and Nick. Do you guys want to say hi?
2: Hi, I'm Logan. Hi. To everyone. I'm Nick.
0: Carly. Yeah. You know what might be good, Nick, is we get you a mute button, and you can mute Logan. Ooh. <laughs> so yeah. we give you that authority, <laughs> yeah. like that. and then if it just seems like it's not going in a good direction, you no, can listen, just push I'll that. No,
1: listen, I'll say this. I... The first episode of this p- podcast, the first of 15 years worth, um, thought Logan and I were going to have some back and forth banter, but he's, he's pulled this trick where he goes, he doesn't fight back. So the result has made me look mm-hmm. really bad on the podcast, like I'm just picking on the young guy. Yeah. So I'm not gonna do it anymore until he fights until he fights back. So with
2: kindness. this is where I get my revenge is yeah. kill mine.
0: For those who are watching at home, Logan is very aggressively making fun of Nick when the cameras are yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. Facts. He puts on this He's different, very kind persona when the cameras are on. There. It's <laughs> wise yeah. beyond yeah.
1: his years. He's taking his shots just when nobody's watching
0: <laughs> yeah. well i think for logan there's really no difference between this podcast and like a, a christian mingle account <laughs> like he's viewing it as an opportunity to <laughs> yeah. be seen by women and good for you thank by the way. you good thank for you. you and women i can tell you, christian women you can do a lot worse this guy's amazing yeah you, you could do yeah. a lot worse right you could do worse yeah. yeah he he will he will stab you only in the back when no one's looking
2: only one, yeah. I exactly. mean, what's
0: the Venn diagram uh, center of like Christian uh, has a job, is Ooh. not a bad person,
2: and then you got the mustache. And the so mustache. that's a negative. Yeah. yeah, but
1: I think the mustache will is not
2: stand on a table in and out and preach that. W- if 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 you were dating you. a woman
0: <laughs> and you liked her and she asked you to shave your mustache, would you do it?
2: No, because uh, Samson. Oh, Sam! Because <laughs> Samson. Uh, Go on. He was not supposed to allow that woman to cut his hair, and so I would say you are a spirit of Delilah, and I would try to <laughs> denounce <laughs> Dude, you. No you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you women are a spirit of Delilah if they ask you to not do anything with your hair. Yeah, maybe exactly. just a little off the sides, <laughs> away from me. Spirit maybe of it Delilah.
2: Explains why you're still single? <laughs> I'm sorry, Logan. Yeah. I will actively look for a sweet wife out of my babysitters. For you. <laughs> out of my babysitter. I mean, that's like,
0: that's some of the singular worst exegesis I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> any,
1: <laughs> so, any female hairstylist <laughs> yeah. is the spirit of Delilah. So yeah. That's
2: a good name for a salon. Yeah, for she's there. like, maybe we right should idea. go a little shorter. I'm like, really? You know? <laughs> maybe we should. <laughs>
0: Totally, and then she just responds back like, "But aren't you supposed to have strength?"
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh oh. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, the same
0: could be said for me.
1: You know, (laughs) of Delilah. I'll
0: tell you what. If I was, if I was a robber, I would rob my house because I can't, I can't do anything. (laughs) I can't do anything. Do my best. Glad you guys are here. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for the laughs, Logan. We're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 9. If you guys want to open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 9, for those of you who are watching, grab your Bible. Open it to Ezekiel chapter 9. I would encourage you to write some notes um, in your Bible. I would encourage you to underline things, circle things. I would encourage you to highlight something. If the Lord is leading you or if something stands out to you, perhaps that could be the Lord's leading to meditate on a verse or idea. I would encourage you to do that. We sometimes can read the Bible from an intellectual-only standpoint, and that minimizes the heart aspect of it. And if you go straight from mind to will always when you read the Bible, you perhaps will not have the emotional connection uh, to the text and to the author that perhaps you could have or perhaps that God would be looking for you to have. We're so glad that you guys are watching this. I just think that the type of people—the Bible is long— it's complicated um it's dense it at times is so intentionally obtuse Mm. that i admire people who who labor in studying it to understand it i think it's brilliant Mm. and i i i respect people who do that because i think it's an extremely good use of time and i think that when you dive into the bible to learn about god that's, there's something about you that is like shining out, because you, in your heart, you're not here to learn about yourself. Or you're not here to learn about the Bible so you can dunk on other people. You're here to learn about the nature and character of God and to know Him closer. And there is no better thing to do with your time or with your life. That is a relationship that will never go away, and you will always be thankful for that. You could teach your kids and other people how to be that close with God as you are, because you're studying Ezekiel chapter nine. And do you know who wouldn't study Ezekiel chapter nine? Almost all of the people who've ever been born yeah. in all countries and societies in the history of the world.
1: Yeah, Ezekiel included himself. <laughs>
0: like... He's like, I don't need to study this. I said all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I He's wrote like, it I'm. Wrote it. He's like, I'm bald and hungry and alone, and I'm crying. Please just let me die in peace. Here's your 48 (laughs) chapters, you sacks of garbage. All right, so.
1: End of podcast. Yeah. uh,
0: Dude, yeah, don't get in front of me when I'm trying to talk to Ezekiel in heaven. I'll just say that. I want to talk to him first. Get in the mix on that. Bro, bro, so what were all those Tamas people doing, bro? (laughs) Those guys were wild. Yeah. What's going on? All right, so here is an overview of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is God's prophet of glorious return. God is justifiably and righteously removing the people from the land of Israel based on centuries-old promises that he had made. Obey and be blessed. Disobey and be cursed. If people don't, if you don't understand the Old Testament, read Deuteronomy a bunch of times and then think how many of the other stories after this are exactly what is being said here. Mm. Down to the specifics. You will read some stories and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, you know how in Esther there, the name of God does not appear in the book of Deuteronomy. It says, if you do not follow me, I will hide. I will go into hiding. And the word for hiding is very similar to one of the key words in Esther. It's just all there. It's all there. It's all, you know, so we see that Ezekiel is God's prophet of glorious return. But we're not there yet because they're still kind of in the land. We're in between the first and second exile. I know it's a bit confusing. Ezekiel and some of the people have already been exiled from the land. So Ezekiel is prophesying from Babylon. One of the two kingdoms is still in Israel. The other one is already, they've already been in exile since 722. Let's just, let's just jump in. Chapter nine says, then he cried in my ears with a loud voice So this is Yahweh, the tour guide, giving him a tour of the temple in Jerusalem. Bring near the executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand. The idea of executioners there is a divine messenger with God's legal right to execute judgment. That word destroying there in verse 1 is meshet in Hebrew. It's a hapax legomena, which means it's the only time that word in Hebrew is used in the whole Bible. So wow. that means that often if you read a commentary about a verse like that, there will be a lot of stuff. Because they're all working really, really hard to make sure, right? And it, we, this makes sense to us. Like if there was a, you know, a series of movies in Spanish and they only use one word once... And then in 25, 50, five hundred years we're trying to translate that, it would be the hardest one contextually to know exactly what it means. Right. If that makes sense. That's why some of the writings of um, the ancient rabbis are extremely helpful because they're reading them a lot closer to when it happened. Verse What's that two
2: Hapax legomena?
0: Hapax legomena.
2: Love that word. How's that even it's possible a good to only use a word once?
0: See, this is like how's it possible? Yeah there's a lot of words
2: that's fair <laughs> asked and answered yeah
0: <laughs> there's a lot of words yeah so i mean every movie you watch i i'd imagine there's a word that's only used once in the whole movie there you go yeah so, it's right. a very rare participle here in this verse i think we should make t-shirts that say ask me what a hapax legomena is 100 percent. and then we should recognize that, like, no normal people will purchase them, and that we think it's cool, and it just won't succeed. It
1: won't. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. the real ones.
0: Like, every church always has, like, tons of t-shirts from, like, the youth ministry 10 years ago that no one ever bought because the, the youth pastor ordered too many. Mm. We should just make, like, five of those. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. one time I had a T-shirt idea, and it was such a bad idea that I only made one of them. I paid a T-shirt guy to make <laughs> one of them.
1: That's expensive.
0: So we were running a youth—well, if you're ordering other orders, they'll do it for you okay. for, like, a reasonable price. But we were doing a youth event called Phoenix YouthCon 3, and I was like, i got to make a T-shirt that says that Phoenix YouthCon 3 is better than Star Wars Episode 3. That's it.
1: <laughs> That's it. It was great. And you only made one?
0: Made one. It was fantastic. Did you get any sold out. like,
1: oh, my gosh, where can I get that shirt?
0: Some kid was like, can I have that? I was like, yeah, here. Boom. Boom. That's that's how you do it. That's respect. Verse 2 says, And behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north. So remember, that's where he entered in chapter 8, each with his weapon for slaughter in his hand. So this is a very, very, very aggressive chapter. They're called men here in verse 2, but they are divine messengers, angels. I know that's a bit confusing for some people angels are called men in the bible just like men are called elohim a couple times in the bible angel angels are called men in the bible in genesis chapter 18 and in daniel chapter 10. Uh, they're coming from the same gate that the idol was in in chapter 8 and with them was a man clothed in linen with a writing case at his waist my guy's got a fanny pack on,
2: yeah,
0: and he's got it stocked with his writing stuff. Well, the pin is mightier. That's right. He's got sword. it. He's got it stocked with his writing stuff, right? But you got to be able to picture this guy because this guy is the guy in chapter nine. So right? he
1: shows up with the swordsman. He's hanging. He's our manager.
0: There, it's like there's like a bunch of like terrifying like ring wraith type guys like yeah. from Lord of the Rings. They're like yeah. walking down this hill and everybody's like, <laughs> <If I'm as laughs> maybe as we should have obeyed Moses. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's terrifying.
0: And then with them is this one guy's clothed in linen. So he looks lit. Just like great fit. Yeah. Linen suit. Right. Probably white. And in <laughs> at his waist, he has a writing case. So what that means is literally he has like a, a fanny pack type of thing with his like writing tools there so just picture that it's pretty cool and they went in and stood beside the bronze altar linen uh, is the priestly robes from Exodus 28 and it's also um, the robe that angelic beings are wearing in Daniel chapter 10 and Daniel chapter 12 got to get
1: that angel fit yeah right yeah, there's, there's something that just if I were to see that six guys with various weapons and then one dude wearing all white linen and a writing case. For some reason, I'm more terrified of the guy with the writing case. He's the leader of the friend group. Like if those six for dudes sure. are afraid of you to like you can just walk around them without a weapon. Mm-hmm. What's in the case, man? <laughs> like, yeah, what kind of powers do
0: you behold? Totally. Like, is this your like Batman utility belts? And what is <laughs> yeah. the utility And, you know, what is about to happen? Mm -hmm. I think it's exactly what the text is going for. And um, from Daniel Block from um, the Nikot commentary, the scribe's kit, literally, when it says writing case, it could be um, scribe's kit, Geset Hasoper is the Hebrew, uh, or Geset. Geset is a, a word from Egypt says Block, which designated a palette with a slot for the pen and hollowed out containers for ink. Now, there's a reason I'm telling you all this stuff. Like, It is interesting, and I would have learned this on my own, but it wouldn't have ended up in here, except it has a point. There's a significant point to this. Stick with me, peeps. (laughs) Stick with me. After (laughs) the break. Don't fast forward, guys. Please. But first, before we do that, like and subscribe. Totally. Or here here's what I would look like if you fast forwarded
1: <laughs> <laughs> now fast
0: forward yeah. that
2: That's what do you say about the people who like listen to messages and like sermons on two times speed? Do they go to oh. heaven two times faster <laughs> or slower?
0: <laughs> Logan is just a walking <laughs> meme. <laughs> See, this is the version of you that we need. This is why we asked you on this podcast. <laughs> but the first couple episodes, you were just being all weird and not yourself.
2: Comfy. Okay. Uh, and not
0: fighting back. <laughs> so check this out. Okay, so in, um, in this scribe's kit, in this, this writing case fanny pack thing, there is a slot for a pen. And in these containers from Egypt where they got this word from, it, there was uh, two slots for red and for black ink so they are going to have two slots in this thing one for red ink and one for black ink now that's really really important because we are going to come back to this idea so there's red and there's black ink right so it's an angel dressed in white with a writer's tool on his belt like in like 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 a holster for a gun but it's made for two pens one is black and one is red like this guy is lit right and the bronze altar that they're talking about there in verse 2 is Solomon's altar from Second Chronicles 4. He made an altar of bronze 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 10 cubits high. So it's, it's really, really big. We don't know exactly how big a cubit is, but, you know, Goliath was a bunch of them. So there you go. Ahaz moved that altar. So in Second Kings 14, I, I know this is a lot. I know this is a lot. But we're, we're going somewhere with all this. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father David had done, but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. He burned his own son as an offering, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. That's what I was talking about last episode. Um, And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Remember we talked about that? Mm -hmm. When the king came from Damascus, The king viewed the altar then the king drew near to the altar and went up to it he burned his offering his grain offering his burnt offering poured his drink offering and threw the blood of his peace offerings on the altar and the bronze altar that was before the lord he removed from the front of the house of the lord from the place between his altar and the house of the lord he put it on the north side of his altar northeast corner That's exactly where it still is, presumably, because that's what they're walking past right now. Does that make sense? And just whatever it would take to move an altar um, from the place of God where God had said to set it up. Now, the glory of the the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested to the threshold of the house. Okay, so the glory of the Lord is... um, going up from um, this angel this is not good so the glory of the Lord is meant to dwell in the temple Um, uh, John Calvin said he says therefore that the glory of the God of Israel ascended from the cherub to the threshold he takes the glory uh, of God for God himself as we may readily collect from the next verse for he said that Jehovah has spoken The speech agrees very well because God cannot be comprehended by us unless as far as he accommodates himself to our standard. Um, And he called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing case at his waist. So the main character in focus here. Um, it's, it's not uh, Ezekiel The main character in Ezekiel is not Ezekiel The main character is the people of Israel uh, or, Sorry, the main character in Ezekiel Is not Ezekiel or the people of Israel It is the glory of the Lord the glory of the Lord is the main character in Israel, and the Lord said to him, um, "That's Yahweh. That's the um, what they call the Tetragrammaton. That's the, the 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 main name for God there in verse four. It's sixty five hundred times used in the Old Testament." And the Lord said to him, "Who's him? This linen guy, the guy with the two pens. He's got the black pen. He's got the red pen. Pass through the city, through Jerusalem. Put a mark on the foreheads." of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. So he's going to, he's like, go walk through Jerusalem and take your pen, big guy, take your pen. And you are going to be putting your pen on people's heads. And you are going to be putting a mark, a mark. Think about that, right? On which people, the people who sigh and groan, um, in Hebrew, it's it's actually more interesting because "moan" and "groan" would be a better translation into English because they're they're using the repetition of consonant sounds in Hebrew as like well. They're annoyed. Oh, that's what we're going to get to. Oh, okay. The mark is um, a t, a lowercase uh, t, ta, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet that looks like an X or a cross. Looks like a like a lowercase t. It, um, it looks something like this. This is the mark. In the Septuagint, they use the word Sameon, semi- um, which is a mark or a sign. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so this is the same word that's used f- with um, the mark on Cain in Genesis 4. It's the same word that's used of the mark of circumcision. In Genesis seventeen, of the mark or sign of the Sabbath; in Exodus thirty-one, of the mark or sign of the word; in Deuteronomy six, and of the mark or sign of Christ; in Isaiah seven. So, Is says
2: the same as on the Passover too. Exactly. Over the, over oh. the
0: doorposts. Oh, we're getting to sorry. that. Sorry. Yeah. Spoiler no, no, alert. don't be sorry. Spoiler, Spoiler. alert. No, no, no. That's that's right. Because i like you, you're a student of scripture. This is this is what happens when you're really studying scripture. You're like, oh my gosh, God is he's using this idea again, like because right? it's a part of like a it's like a it's like a thing. It's like a part of a narrative move of the whole Old Testament. Yeah. Right. Um, Origin said, um, of three Jews, the first two did not understand the symbolism of the T. A third Jew. One of those who believe in Christ said the form of the Ta in the Old Testament resembles the cross and it predicts the mark which is to be placed on the foreheads of Christians. So he's saying go to the people when the abominations are committed go to the people that are like not the people that are like yeah right. Go to those people and just put a mark on their—put a T on their forehead, right? Mm. And um, Origen apparently talked with three Jews. Two were not saved. One was saved. And the two that were not saved didn't see the connection, and the one that was saved did. Cyprian, who is the bishop of Carthage, said in the 200s, God says that only those who escape— who, can, who have been reborn and signed with the sign of Christ when sending his angels to lay waste the world and to destroy the human race, he threatens more seriously than the last time. This sign pertains to the passion and blood of Christ that he has kept safe and unharmed whoever is found in this sign. Okay, verse 5. Then he said to the others in my hearing... Pass through the city after him and strike, your eye will not spare. Your eye uh, shall show no pity. Kill old men outright, young men and maidens, little children and women, but touch no one on whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. So on verses like this, this is the type of verse that a a certain type of theologian or person would have a significant problem with. And um, the truth of Scripture is that God gives life and God uh, chooses when to give life and when to take away life that is the truth of Scripture and we don't take um, our view of justice or grace and then apply it to Scripture and ask why it doesn't line up we look at Scripture and learn what justice and grace and mercy is and then we take that back to our life Mm -hmm. Jerome said the cause of so many crimes is this the people thought there was no such thing as providence on earth and that God didn't look after mortal things at all they either thought that there was no providence or if there had once been any it had been forsaken it had forsaken its own people therefore the eye of the Lord will not spare them nor will he have mercy and people are often I think too concerned about verses like this and not concerned enough about all of the verses that state that if you don't follow Jesus If you don't repent, if you don't turn from your sin, you will spend an eternity apart from God, right? So this is a very miniature version of that. This is suggesting that God in his justice is deciding to prematurely allow some people who have rebelled against him to move to that end faster, slightly faster in the frame of eternity. And there's a revelation connection here so this is revelation connection number five this is from gk Beale and david campbell revelation 73 says do not harm the earth or the or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our god on their foreheads um that verse is based on Ezekiel 9, because to understand Revelation, you have to understand that the entire book, we've talked, we're have talked we going to talk about this like every episode, but you have to understand that the entire book is based upon references to the Bible. Mm-hmm. There are more references to the rest of the Bible in Revelation than there are verses in right. Revelation. So when people read it, but they don't know the rest of the Bible, they're looking in the newspaper to understand Revelation. You're doing it wrong. Right. You look at the Old Testament, And then you look to the spirit of god right because what revelation is it is a collection of all of the prophecies that have happened that have not yet come to pass right amalgamated together and um my guy david campbell shout out to david campbell so they
2: that that image of like have you seen that bible image where it's like it's linear and it's like all the rainbows connecting like everything in the bible and it's like all cross have Have you seen seen, that picture Mm -mm. it's on (laughs) instagram.com Wait, what's that website again? Let me write that down. It's new. Okay.
0: I love the thought that someone would be watching this and try to go to Instagram on like a desktop.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm like here
1: now. What do I, where Chrome. do I find the rainbow <laughs> image? Just yeah. go to Instagram. <laughs> right. search, search box bar. Start typing a rainbow image. Rainbow
2: Bible? Rainbow Bible. I don't know. <laughs> and you're um, there.
1: So they began
0: with the elders who went, who were before the house. So that is the 70 from the abomination in chapter 8 and the 25 worshiping the sun from chapter 8. And he said to them, defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. Go out, so they went out and struck in the city. So of course normally no no dead bodies would be allowed in the temple courts, verse 8. And while they were striking, I was left alone. I fell upon my face and cried. Oh, Lord God will you destroy all the remnant of Israel in the outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem this is deeply terrifying and uh, troubling he's saying is this it
2: mm.
0: like are all the people that went into exile all the people that are gonna go into exile are you showing me that it's just they're not coming this is it um, Chrysostom bishop of constantinople said 1700 years ago of this verse you see even if it is the wicked who perish nevertheless the souls of good people are likely to show compassion when they see people being punished and you will find each of the good people and the inspired writers making earnest supplication for them Mm. right so um verse 9 and he said to me the guilt of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great the land is full of blood the city is full of injustice for they say the Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord does not see as for me my eye will not spare nor will I have pity I will bring their deeds on their heads we've seen that right yeah we remember that that's from 818 almost exactly And behold, the man clothed in linen, with the writing case at his waist, brought back words saying, I've done as you commanded me. So everybody that's going to get the mark has gotten the mark. This is in in black, but we really don't know. It might have been in red, because we know that that Egyptian word was used for black and red pen cases only. Would be pretty wild if the guy pulled the red pen. Can I ask a question? It's already so Christological yeah. that yeah. if you can imagine <laughs> the guy putting red crosses on people's mm-hmm. heads, mm-hmm. like...
2: Yeah, that's
1: crazy. It's just two on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, I wouldn't even believe this if it was written. He's like, all, then right, right
0: above words. it, King of the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> then right below it, Golgotha. And then yeah. put
2: two smaller crosses on either side. Exactly. What were you going to say? Yeah, so we're still in the vision, right?
0: That's right. So he's still laying on the ground in front of all those elders in yes. Babylon. Right. So
1: no where, actual children have been slaughtered. Yes, yeah,
0: right.
2: Yes, still the vision. But That's right. I guess we have to see where it goes.
0: Well, exactly. We know where it goes in the sense that all of his performances are about the exile. So we already know God has already prophesied it is not going to go well. A mm. lot of people are unfortunately going to lose their lives. And anyone who's Jewish would have said exactly what Carly said. When I talked about the... The thing on the forehead immediately, she's like Passover, right? That's exactly, exactly what God is going for. God is giving him this vision because He is inspiring them to think about this mark here—a black or possibly red cross on these people's foreheads—from um from Daniel Block in view of the extensive link between Exodus 12 and Ezekiel 9, especially the identification of those to be spared by means of a sign. Early Jewish commentators on Ezekiel 9 quite naturally referred to the blood of the Paschal Lamb as a mark of salvation. Okay, listen to this. This is going to blow your mind, okay? However, when the church fathers began to link the mark of Ezekiel to the blood of the Passover Lamb to the cross and blood of Christ, the Jews reversed their their opinion. The blood became a sign of doom instead of life. So do you get what he's saying? If you look at all of the Jewish commentaries on this passage before Christ, they all said, awesome. It's just like the Passover it's a mark of salvation and if you look at the Jewish commentaries after Christ they change their position Mm. because it so obviously is about Christ it's like my professor in college uh, Michael Rydelnik he taught me a lot and he uh, was he's a Messianic Jew so he's a he's a Jew and he became a Christian he took Isaiah 53 and took Isaiah 53 off of it just took the text and brought it to his Jewish friends after he got saved and said what is this about and they said oh this is from the New Testament it's about Jesus and he said, no, this is actually from your Bible, the one that you say isn't about Jesus. Wow. And it's really, really, really a powerful thing. Mm. Um, yeah, that's cool. There's also a connection, of course, with Lent and an ash cross on their heads. Yes. I know um, I know how—
1: pro- That looks exactly like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's where I got that image. But I know that you're, like, so Protestant, Nick, you're going to, like, hate that I'm going to say this. i um, not. <laughs> I know, I'm joking. So <laughs> the— um, There's a church called Holy Trinity, and they make the connection um, to this passage in an article on their website. They quote directly Ezekiel 9-4. They quote the verse, and then it says on their website, the mark here is literally the Tav, a Hebrew letter which in ancient script was written into a cross-shaped letter. The church father, Tertullian, remarked that God had given to Ezekiel the very form of the cross. Wow. Of course the imposition of ashes on the forehead is quite new to many so we should stress that it's not required that an ash Wednesday service is significant whether or not the ashes are applied so that's what they wrote on their website they draw the exact connection uh, between those two things which is which is brilliant and I like that they say you don't have to put the ash on your head right Right. they're like if you have an acne problem yeah first of all ash would probably help (laughs) <laughs> because it's better than the chemicals you're putting on your head. Well,
1: and if you don't, you also may get slaughtered by one of six swordsmen. Yeah. You Choose wisely.
2: Yeah.
0: G.K. Beale and David Campbell note on Revelation 7, when the angels put a mark on people, what it means for God to seal his servants is debated. The main alternatives are protection from physical harm, protection from death uh, dense and protection against losing one's faith and hence salvation the picture of the seal here is the same as what was seen by ezekiel and the lord uh when the lord commands the prophet to put an angel on their heads um so this is one of the most visible pictures of christ in the entire old testament ezekiel's laying on the ground in babylon having a vision of some lit dude walking around putting crosses on people's heads and they get saved and which people get saved the people that sigh and groan at the abominations
2: yeah okay it's reminding me of um abraham weeping over sodom and gomorrah with the like connection. are you going to destroy
1: the city if there are 40 people if there are 30 people is there any like is that just coincidence well it's totally similar yeah, right yeah. it's
0: totally similar and it's totally like the like uh, that one quote it's totally like the compassion of, of the prophets yeah mm. right they're not happy this is happening yeah right the opposite of Jonah
2: yeah well, and
1: as I read it it's like am I weeping like this over the hearts of my unsaved family and friends like Ooh. his heart for these people is so evident here and yet I have how how many people that I know
0: that my heart's not burning in this way, and I'm not falling face down for their salvation and crying hmm. to God on their behalf. It's just kind of sobering.
2: Yeah, that that's so convicting. Yeah.
1: There's also a. Um, I'm surprised you didn't say this. I, I was going to. I Were was you, just gonna oh, let you. Want you want to? No, you, you may. It? You no, can have it. No. If you want, I know you need to. <laughs> no keep your it's all right. there's also very much a limited atonement vibe to this This is
2: why i let you do it because it <laughs> know, just makes me so much proud to hear it I'm come out it of your for mouth you.
1: <laughs> because you. i don't believe it i'm, I'm so not proud of you it. Uh, but i but, but i have but i have to here's a point, real
0: soft toss nick <laughs> i
1: have to point out there is a very much like marking of okay you're good you're not you're good you're not and so i'm surprised my my reformed friend here didn't jump on that you immediately gave me all the pride in the world to watch you do it do you want to explain that for the people watching? I, yeah, so, so, you know, the idea of, of um, you know, God chooses some, basically, for salvation for eternity. Um, and it's, a, it's an oft-debated thing in Christianity, and there's volumes of Scripture for both sides of it, and I used to be opinionated both ways, and I don't really care that much to fight about it anymore. Uh, I think we'll all be surprised in the end, but... This is one of those scriptures with all these connections and, you know, correlations to where there is clearly a marking of people to be saved and some to be not saved. And so it's a paradox, right? Like God is outside of time. God is
0: not watching time pass like we're watching a movie. God can watch every frame of the movie at the same time. Time does not exist to God. So sometimes the Bible takes the the framework of, or the lens of looking through God's eyes and saying God chose you. That's true. God chose us in him. It says before the foundation of the world. That's true. But then at the same time, sometimes the Bible's talking through the lens of our lived experience and it says follow Christ. It doesn't say if you've been chosen follow Christ. It just says follow Christ. And that is true. And God chooses not to violate our free will. It's such an intriguing thing. And um, do you have any thoughts, Logan?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think that we can know that like a concept of like predestination and like I think all are true. You know what I mean? But it's beyond our comprehension. So I don't necessarily like bother myself with arguments where it's like, oh, predestination or free will, all these different things. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think it's beyond us. And we should we should um, moan and groan at the abominations, not, you know, partake in them.
0: Yeah, you're so right. And um, the Bible teaches both, right? The Bible yeah, teaches yeah. both of those things. And I've heard it said that there are two parallel lines that meet in the mind of God. And um, like it's really, a, it's really a beautiful thing. And God never violates anyone's free will. So if you are out there, and you're hearing in your mind, when we're talking about this, oh, I'm not one of the chosen. Well, you can change that. Mm. That's what the Bible teaches. Then if you do, that means that God already did choose you. And I know that it's a bit wacky and confusing. And this is why when people go to Bible college, they become like awful. Yeah. I will say, though, that
1: is um, I've heard you say that before. And it's it's really good. It strikes like the idea of God standing outside time, Mm -hmm. because if any one of us who doesn't stand outside time. But if we just pick a show on Netflix and just dive bomb and choose, I'm going to do season three, episode four. Don't know anything about the show. Just watch it just that one show Mm -hmm. Mm. we can get a very narrow view about the characters the plot what's what's happened where it's going and it would be woefully incomplete and not do the job Um, and when we do that with with scripture and build entire theological positions Mm -hmm. or worldviews even worse Mm -hmm. um, about that that it's just as ridiculous and yeah. in terms of life, scripture, everything, God is the only one, like, has that unique standpoint of, of seeing the whole picture and also, as you said, seeing all of it at the same time, which is something that we can't even comprehend because we, totally. like, I either see the whole picture or I only see what I know, but God sees all of it at the same time, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, what you said is so right, like, we just... It can be all of those things and none of those things.
0: Yeah, you're so right. And we
1: change as we watch
0: television shows. Like we watch shows and then we get older and we change and we view them differently when we're older or younger or whatever. And none of those things apply to God. Like if we were going to have lunch, we would need um, latitude, longitude, height, and time, right? We would say, you know, at this corner, at this corner, on the second floor. At time and space. At time. And Mm -hmm. none of those four things apply to God. Wow. So latitude, longitude, height, and time, God is at all of those, right. all of the time. And so when people are like, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, you can't choose God. I'm like, God sees him choosing you and you choosing him at the same time. The psalm says that he breathes in time like a breath, right? Like it is, yeah, it's, it's interstellar, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the sequence in Interstellar where he sees all of the different moments. It is. It's like probably the best way I've seen it. Yeah. Visualized.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. The Bible, I really want to like tell people that the Bible does not contradict itself. That's a lot of like, yeah. you know, that's good argument against the Bible. And so I think a lot of these things can coexist in just ways that we don't understand and work together in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Like if I showed you, Nick, a picture of Mandy when she was like a little girl hanging out with her parents, is that your wife? Yeah. Exactly. Yes y- no. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Is that your wife? Yeah. yeah. That's her. That's Mandy. Right. You know, but it's also not yet. Not when the picture was taken. You right. guys may not have it's even met at that point. Alley. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Well, that was actually a really fun discussion. Um, I really like having theological discussions like that where people are actually listening and thinking about what the other people are saying. Um, There was not a single one of those that happened in my college dorm in four years. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You went to Moody Bible Institute. Yeah, and then this one guy named Skater Wes came on the floor and hit this other guy named Caveman Chris with his skateboard, and then Caveman Chris's head was gushing blood. They
2: had titles? Like it sounds skater, like a comic book. But cave was this over a biblical dispute? It, it, of course it was. There's a
0: lot of things <laughs> layered into <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. You know. Wow. Um, it I was like, a wild moment.
2: Like I like that they had titles. Anger. That's really that's awesome. Bring those back. Like your occupation,
0: Skater West named himself. That cool. was his chosen name. He chose
1: Skater West. He, he yeah, his awesome. identity is so much skateboarding. I love that, that he guy. made it his name. He
0: was the best. If you're out there, Skater West, send me a text. I love. Hey, where you are do these do
1: guys it. now? I kind of want to mix skating. Being a be guest, <laughs> guest
0: Skater West was amazing. He came to Christ. He was the only person in his family who knew Christ, and one by one, he led every person in his family to Christ. His brother, his sister, his parents. Oh. this guy was awesome. That's He's so a really cool. good skateboarder too. And he um, hit somebody with a skateboard. Yeah. We
1: all have to Turned it into a weapon. Before
0: each yeah. semester, he would go buy a three-pack of blank white Hanes T-shirts, and just that would be the That's shirts that he wore for it. the this whole semester. This guy is my hero.
2: <laughs> yeah, dude. He's yeah. amazing. He's amazing.
0: Well, thank you guys for um, watching and dealing with our chicanery and theological discussions. I hope that they've blessed you. We would love it if you guys would like, comment, subscribe, share. Share's a big one now. And, you know, rate rate the pod. Embed, embed it yeah. into your Send own us
2: blog? money. Can Start
0: you do that? a website and embed it. Mm-hmm. Go reactivate your MySpace <laughs> page.
2: In bed. Nope. Didn't say that. Put it on Instagram.com. That's how out of touch I am, guys. <laughs> all
0: right. See you guys next time.
2: Bye. <laughs>